powered by Clear Vision Development Group. This is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Better Than Before. I'm Tony Richards. Welcome to another thrilling episode of the show where nobody puts baby in a corner. And our special guest today is going to be Rhiannon Reese. And she's going to join us today direct from Australia to tell us a little about her four ways that she helps her clients get past self-limiting beliefs. And we're also going to dive into how your subconscious is actually running your life. It's going to be a fantastic interview. I think you're going to learn a lot and I can't wait to bring Rhiannon on here in just a few seconds. I'm also going to have a short segment at the end of our program today called Being Perfectly Imperfect. That's all coming up today on Better Than Before, brought to you by University Subaru. Join us for the Lot to Love event going on right now. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. If you're driven by an adventurous heart, you're in luck. The Subaru Outback is all new for 2020. With standard symmetrical all-wheel drive plus up to 33 miles per gallon. An available 260 horsepower turbocharged engine, advanced technology and an extra large touchscreen. Welcome to the best Outback ever, the 2020 Subaru Outback. Join us for the Subaru Lot to Love event going on now. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. See dealer for details. Are you working twice as hard, but enjoying fewer rewards? Maybe you're highly accomplished, but you just can't seem to break through and make the next big move. Or you run a business that has begun to grow stagnant. It doesn't have to stay that way. Even the best leaders have felt as if their careers were spiraling out of control, but that's when they had to lead and lead big. Tony Richards' new book, The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now, will help launch you forward in leadership. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. I'm Tony Richards, and I'm welcoming my good friend Rhiannon Reese to the program today. Her biggest question to her clients always is, do you have the courage to change? If you're unhappy with your life, have you ever stopped to think about how you've contributed to the situation you're in today? And did you realize how you might be choosing a life that mirrors your self-worth and the beliefs you have? We're all far more powerful than we realize, and yet we don't realize the many ways our self-limiting beliefs are limiting our lives. With a coaching business based on 30 years of study and practice in human behavior, Rhiannon has been inspired by Bruce Lipton's groundbreaking work on the biology of belief as a founding principle for her practice. Her own personal tragedies ultimately led her to the study of human behavior. 
Today, her business and practice blends quantum physics, subconscious mind practices, human behavior, and observation in aggregation with a systematic business approach to guide clients. If you can tell, I'm super excited because I love every one of those topics. She's renowned as one of the world's best self-development experts, drawing on 30 years of studying human behavior and business. She's pioneered a coaching approach that was certified by the International Coaching Federation for 20 22 credits for the art of debunking the very things that hold you back by harnessing neuroscience at the core of her work. Rhiannon Reese, I'm so glad. Now, she told me she's coming to us behind a rock and a stick in Australia. So, Rhiannon, I'm glad that we could get a signal in there to you. It is Morse code, Tony, but we are here. Can you see my smoke signals? <laughs> yeah. I've been absolute pleasure to join your show thank you for having me i read a lot of code so i read smoke signals that's fine <laughs> hey tell i mean i had some background there on you before we went on the air though we were talking about you know you you, you were homeless you lived in a tent tell us a little bit about some of the other things in your background that ultimately led you to discover some of this formula for succeeding Look, I'm a great believer in life and living, and I believe that a lot of people are anaesthetized to their life. And the things that wake us up are the things that are happening right now today. Black Lives Matter, coronavirus, like those things in their own way are their biggest gift because all of a sudden you draw a line in the sand and you go, you know what, that's just not important. This is important. Like family is important, relationships, that sort of thing. And prior to this year, I have been gifted so many tragic moments like you know, I lost 11 babies. There was three babies that got to 20 weeks. I, I never got to hold them. Oh. My brother to suicide. I mm. lost my father. I lost my mum. I found out I had another brother. I was homeless. I was living in a tent. I lost my marriage, my business, my mind, all in three months. Wow. That one, the last one, which happened 12 years ago, which is when I lost my marriage, my home, my business, and my mind in three months, that one took years to recover because I was in shock. And I didn't realize how bad it was. And I was homeless with my then son living in over 40 house sits until I ran out of energy and there was nothing left that I went, oh, my God, I'm just going to ask for a tent because that way I don't have to ask for a place to live. I'll just ask for a tent. And you know what? When you, I went to the university, my father was a doctor. I'm just like, how have I ended up here? And this was really and truly the catalyst for all of the work I've done because I'm asking myself the question, why do we suffer? Why do we struggle? Why do we make the choices that we make? And you know what? I got to, I got to live and understand this firsthand. And then I've dedicated my whole professional life to freeing people from their self-limiting beliefs as I freed myself. I couldn't, when I was in the tent crying myself to sleep at night, on food bank handouts, living on beans and rice for three years, wishing, wishing I could take my son to Disneyland or give him a T-shirt or, or actually pay for a swimming lesson. Like, that's how bad it was. I had no idea that I had a poverty victim scarcity mindset, that I was the creator of this struggle and suffering. I didn't realise that my compass, my compass that had been created through life, like my compass of self-limiting beliefs had produced this. And once I started to learn that, oh boy, did my life change. And mm. it didn't change overnight. It changed in tiny, weeny pieces like you know, when I had to come up with $35,000 for my very first coaching, 
I'd been living on $500 a month. That was the equivalent of seven years worth of income. How are you going to make that happen? Mm. But now I look back on my struggles and I just feel so blessed that I've had these struggles because without that, I wouldn't have the life I have today. Like those struggles carved deeply into my soul and showed me that I'm far greater than I ever thought. So how, and that's how potential today with Black Lives Matter and Corona is how deeply do you want the experience of your own soul? Mm. So what was the catalyst that kind of came together and sort of changed? You were on this terrible road with all these bad things. And then, like you said, it didn't happen overnight, but at least directionally you changed and you started at least inch by inch going in a different direction. What was the catalyst that changed your direction? Isn't it interesting that I was, I, I thought I was trying to change it for myself. Like every night I would pray to God, please God help me. Like how, you know, I felt abandoned by God. Like how have I ended up here? But what I didn't realize was I needed to create the shift. And what happened was I was on the treadmill going round and round doing the house sits and all of that. And then I got a call from my mum, and I'm one of eight kids. And my mum said something to me that she's never said before and she would never say it again. She said, look, I'm quite sick. And I thought in that moment, like, I don't know how sick she had a heart condition and all of this, but she's never said that to me before. And she didn't tell me about her circumstances either. She just said, I'm quite sick. And isn't it funny because that was such a bigger problem than the problem I was in being homeless and on food bank handouts. Cause I thought to myself, if my mum dies, because it brings a tear to my eye now, seriously. If she dies because I can't figure out my homelessness, I will never forgive myself. So isn't it interesting? Snap, here I am on the phone calling friends going, I need money, I need points, I have to get back to Australia with my son, I have to help my mum. So I literally dropped everything and I had a business with 35 staff, you know, moving around this homelessness, all of this. I just dropped the whole lot took the money and the points, went back to Australia. But what I didn't realise is my mum was in a bad situation and she was living in housing commission in a one-bedroom unit. So the three of us lived there for 18 months in, mm. in single women's housing. And the first six months I was just looking after my mum, just trying to help her with doctor's appointments and help her sleep and help her calm down because I just wanted my mum to be alive. And she, she did get better. And when she got better, then I had to look at myself and the big mess that I've created. What am I going to do now? And you know what made sense? It made sense to have a job, to have a regular paycheck. That's what made sense. Mm -hmm. But the little voice inside was saying, uh-uh, no, not a job. You need to be a coach. I'm like, you're joking. <laughs> and I tried to duck and weave this inner knowing this inner wisdom that said coaching is your path because it just seemed such a huge obstacle to go and get more money after I already had so much debt to then it took so much courage is what I'm saying it took so right. much courage but you know what I listened to that tiny weeny voice that said become a coach because you know you have those gut feelings the gut feeling says do this or do that and you don't do it you go that's ridiculous I'm not doing it well, I did it and look where I am. But it was lots and lots of those tiny weeny moments, Tony. Well, I'm sure you had a voice in your head too that was saying something to the effect of, how are you going to help other people when you can't help yourself, right? Oh, I felt like such a loser. I'm just like, how have I, I had nothing inside me. Like literally, you know, thousands of people could run around inside me. There was nothing left. I was completely empty. I was like a big cavern inside, nothing, nothing inside. 
I think it's ironic too. And I don't know how many people I've come across in my lifetime where something like this has happened to them and the greatest area in their life where they've received help, they then turn around and help others in that same area. Uh, it is a passion for me. Like the only reason I'm doing what I'm doing is to help more people. And I've got a goal to build a thousand schools and hospitals in Africa or in third world countries. I already provide like educational requirements, but it's not enough. Like my whole thing is I want to help transform the world by teaching them how to fish, not giving them fish. Right. I mean, my audience knows um, that I hired a coach back in the mid eighties. I was failing at my job. And uh, I hired a coach, and it, and it saved my whole career, in my estimation. And then, some 20 years later, what do I do? I end up being a coach myself, helping people the same way that I was helped, right? Of course. It's a, it's a natural progression. Like, you fix your own situation, and then you go out and you contribute. And that's the beauty of it. So let's talk about self-limiting beliefs. Give me some thoughts on where they come from, how do they develop, and, and, and how, do you, how do you pull them out of the dark place that they're in and expose them for what they are? So that is the biggest question. And so those self-limiting beliefs, it depends who you study, like Jung or Freud or Adler, whoever you study. But in general, they're created around the ages of five, six, seven, and eight. So they're created in a very formative years in your life. They're passed down through your parents, through your pastor at church, your teachers, your family, like things like, you know, rich people are not nice. Money doesn't grow on trees. You need to work hard. If you do this, you won't belong. If you do that, you will. So it's all the rules and regulations and stuff that becomes the absolute fabric of your life. Like it's the wallpaper that you live through. Don't go swimming until an hour after you eat. Yeah, hey, no cookies before dinner, you know, yeah, all right. that sort of stuff. And then what happens is you start to develop a compass that says, yes, you can or no, you can't. And so what happens is to, to actually produce your identity, you need this compass so that you belong to your family and your community and all of that. Then what happens is you actually take those truths as being true you actually think that these beliefs are true like you know in the in amazonian tribes if someone points a bone at you you know that that bone will kill you well you die because of your belief that the bone will kill you not that the bone killed you and so we have the same sort of we have the same things and unless we take a deep dive into these self-limiting beliefs we can never be great the thing with the beliefs are they are insidious and they are very, very subtle. And you need someone else to actually help you discover where they are and how they exist. Like I can give you a quick story to help demonstrate. Sure. Yeah. So one of my clients was from a very wealthy family in Australia and in the GFC in 2008, they lost everything and they literally had an empire. The, the father took a shotgun and he was going to take his life. And last minute he changed his mind and he went, I cannot do this to my family. But he did share with his family that that's what he, that's the moment that, that made or that was either, either going to make or break him. Now, in that moment, she was fairly young. She was a teenager. So a little bit older than those when the majority of self-limiting beliefs kick in. But in that moment, unaware to her, she had no awareness of this. When he shared what he was going to do, she created a self-limiting belief that says, 
if I make money and then I lose it, someone in dear to me is going to die. Mm. So do you think you can get her to make money? Absolutely not. No. Because there's no way she'll risk her family. But she didn't know that she had this. So because I'm a detective and I've been studying this for years and years, I knew that there was a key in there, but I couldn't find the key either. But I knew that there's a key. So I'm like a dog with a bone. I just go in to that, tell me the story, tell me the story, tell me the story until I can find a way to use the subconscious quantum physics visualization to click, to flick that switch so that she can see that it won't end in death if she makes money and then loses it, that it's okay for her to make money. So literally she told the story to me 50 times and I couldn't get it. Then, then one day she tells it to me and I said to her, well, what would happen? She goes, well, if, if I would make all this money and then lose it, it would be like my family is on the edge of a cliff. And I said, well, then what would happen? And she goes, well, we would fall to our death. And in that moment, because of what I do, I was able to drop in a suggestion to her. And the suggestion was, what if you had a set of wings? And just in that exact moment, while she's remembering her dad with the shotgun, she visualized a set of wings, which meant that her family could fly off the cliff. And you can call that pie in the sky, but it's your subconscious at work going, there's another option to death. The next week after not having any clients for seven months, she had seven clients because wow. her subconscious mind said, it's okay to make money. If it looks like death, we can fly away. And all of this is, you're not aware of it. You have no awareness that this exists. That's, that's really powerful, Rhiannon, really, really powerful stuff. She went on, she built her business the first year, 60,000. The next year it was 250,000. By the third year, it was half a million dollar business. Her design started at $400. And by the third year, they were $35,000 because she had no problems making the money. So that's step number one, right? You got to find that strongest self-limiting belief. You need help with that because it'll take you so long to do it yourself. You need a coach or you know someone who can specialize in that to find that self-limiting belief. And then when you unlock it, you need the second step is to believe in the outcome that you're going for, to believe that this is what I want, this is what I'll achieve. And of course you have to write it down. All of the Harvard studies prove that. But then you have to you need to write it down. I don't know how fast you want me to go through these steps. No, it's fine. Then, then the third thing is that you need to practice daily with your new compass. The new compass says it's okay to have clients. It's okay to make money. You need to practice daily because if you don't practice daily, as in affirmations and visualizations and things that always feed your subconscious mind, if you don't practice daily, you just slip back into your comfy slippers. You slip back into old habits that don't serve you. So you need the awareness to know, hang on a sec, what's happening? I just slipped back. Like I do my daily consciousness practices every day. It's chapter four of my second book. Because if you don't, you you it's so easy to become who you used to be. The new, you know, however old you are, 30, 40, 50 years, you've, you've been doing the old you for so long that the new you takes time to create. It takes practice. So you have to practice this champion mindset each and every day. And then the other thing I like to do, do is to, you need to value your time because most often we do stuff that doesn't actually help us. So you need to ask yourself, what is the best use of my time right now so that you can be on point? And of course, there's a whole bunch of self-limiting um, transformational 
exercises that I use that are individual to each client because what will work with one will not work with the other. And of course, that involves quantum physics, psychology, sub, subconscious practices, opening up that mind to access that supersonic subconscious mind to catapult results. And, you know, that would take a whole, you know, that takes a long time to share that part. Sure. Now, let me ask you this question. Is there any correlation to how long the self-limiting belief's been there? And uh, what a great question. That's a great question. Yes, of course, because the longer the self-limiting beliefs have been there, the stronger hold they have, the more you believe them to be true and the harder they will be for you to give up. So if you believe that working hard means that you'll belong to your family because everybody else worked hard, then working easy will feel, I just did this with a session with another client actually, working easy will feel like you're cheating or it will feel like somehow you're not going to value it as much or it's not going to be significant enough for you. You would rather belong to your family than leave the flock. Do you know what I mean? So yes. if that new self-limiting belief to you means you don't belong, then you're not going to choose it. You'll keep choosing to work hard. Like often I get my clients to go and interview their family members and say, if I've got 10 million in the bank and I don't have to work hard and it's all effortless, you know, what do you think about that? And often their family members will say, well, you'll still work right because they're stuck in the work hard. So let me ask you this question. So when, when it's hard to affirm someone, not just comp, not just compliment them, but when you're affirming them, like you say, wow, you're really talented or you're really good at that. And they shy back from that and go, Oh, you know, that, that no, I'm not. Is that, is that tickling that self-limiting belief? Yeah, you're exactly right. So with the, with the work that I do, I said before, you have to be a detective. Right. So what you're listening to, you're listening to every single word that they speak because you're looking for threads through their communication. You're looking for words and languaging and breath, breathing and gestures and all of that that tells you, hey, there's an issue here. So if they go, oh, well, no, I'm not. Well, where else is that showing up? So we are our own worst critics. And the more I do this work, the more I realize it's like a crack in our psyche that we just don't think we deserve it. We just do not think we're enough, not loved enough, don't deserve it. So we stop ourselves. So you, you need to entertain the idea that you can have it all. Why not? Like life is short. So that languaging, how a client languages, the blocks that they put up, the sabotage that they're in, that that's something you have to work on continuously, all of us, myself included. So according to your work that you do, uh, those self-limiting beliefs form this fishbowl that people put themselves in. And it's almost like they've put themselves into this prison, right? That's exactly right. And the thing is, too, often they've put themselves into that prison because they actually believe that they will be loved more if they stick to the rules that were created around the ages of five, six, seven, and eight. Because, you know, no cookies before dinner. Don't swim after you've had dinner, blah, blah, blah then you, you want to show respect and love for the care that you've had. So you hold on to those, you know, out of respect or out of love or out of care, because you, if you transform them, then all these questions that are going to happen, like, who do you think you are? How come you're swimming after dinner? You know, we never did that when we were kids. Like, so you have to be prepared to be judged when you take a new path. And for that, you need strength, you need confidence, you need certainty. You need conviction. Like the only reason I've gotten to the top in my game is because I lived in a tent 
And that was so bad, I never wanted to do it again. If my life had been more moderate, there's no way I would have been here because I wouldn't have been driven to do it. And so that all creates this fishbowl. And then also you, you, you talk about something called the emotional charge. Yes, yes. Wow, you have read some of my work. Good on you. Absolutely. So the thing is, let's talk about money. Like money represents a pain. So we all have some sort of charge around money. So you're like, oh, I can't have that much money because you'll tie your identity into that money. So if you're a billionaire or whatever, what does that look like? How do you feel? If, you have, if you're very poor, how does that feel? But it's all around many things like belonging, um, how you accept yourself, how you, how, if you're okay to be judged and all of that. But if I was to have this conversation around grass, like mowing the lawn, blades of grass, you would have zero charge. You wouldn't care if I said, guess what, Tony? I have 10 billion blades of grass. You'd be like, good on you. You'd just think that's all green. You'd be like, I wonder how often she mows that. Mm. You know, so what do you say? Cut the grass. But um, so if you take the charge away, it's more palatable for you to go after it. But when there's a charge around it, an emotional charge, my God, you have layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of self-limiting beliefs to get through before you can free yourself from that prison of self-limiting beliefs, which stops us being great. Mm. And at the end of the day, none of us know how much time we have on the planet. And what we need to experience is all of our greatness, like the essence of who we are. So we, so my job is to free people. You know, um, I want to shift gears here a little bit and start talking a little about the subconscious. I have long maintained with my clients that they have all these unconscious competencies that are based on scripts and recordings that are running in the background of their subconscious, things that they're not even aware of. And so your, your, how your subconscious is running your life is very intriguing to me. So I'd like for you to talk a little about that. So, you know, this is probably the first time in any um, show that I've been asked more of the subtleties of my work. So I really, really like this question. Awesome. The way that you can start to discover some of those subconscious beliefs is not by what's obvious. So what is obvious is the stuff that's right in front of you that you just know, you know, this is good, that's not good, whatever. If you meditate, you find that place of quietness, it'll actually open up your peripheral consciousness in the same way that it opens up your peripheral vision. And what it allows is when you're very, very still and very, very quiet, these tiny little things pop into your periphery, like, you know, have a look at this or have you ever thought about that or you know um it's just something that's different that's not in your regular consciousness so you're looking for something that's outside your consciousness that is often a key to unlocking some of those self-limiting beliefs so how it shows up um to give you an example because the growth that you get is by pushing through any resistance that you have in your soul. Right. So I went to visit a friend and she's a skydiver. I don't care about skydiving. I never want to skydive. Who cares? But when she said to me, do you fancy a jump? I just, my, my response was so absolute, which is I'm pretty easy going. I just went, absolutely not. And I went, wow, that's, that's definitely a no. So, so I was able to notice that my response was very strong. Whereas normally I'd be like, oh yeah, maybe I'll, let me think about it. You know, 
that and so I, I noticed that that was out of character for me which got my curiosity I'm like what is this all about then my hands started to sweat okay we've got a situation here you have fear around this which is false expectations appearing real fear is not even true but fear will stop us from being great because we think it's actually protecting us and allowing our survival and it's only our awareness that allows us to see that there's an issue that can be transformed for greatness. So I woke up the next morning and my hands were still dripping. You know what? I knew I had to jump. It's the last thing I wanted to do. I did not want to jump. I'm a single mum. I don't want to go skydiving. But I knew for my greatest growth, my physical reaction, my physiology, my anatomy was telling me there's something in this. Hey, I didn't know if it was good or bad. But there's something in this and I had to take this path because this fear is stopping me from being great. So I go. I, I'm, I'm going up on the plane. I am cursing and swearing, mad at myself, going, this is the dumbest idea you've ever had. What single mum ever goes up in a plane? How stupid are you? And then I get to the point where I have to get out of the plane. I'm like, oh, just take a deep breath, whatever. Oh, my God. It ended up being the second best day of my life I loved it so much I went up again and did it head first I went up again did it next day and you know, I mean I could keep skydiving but I choose not to but I've had amazing 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 openings by doing that so we stop ourselves because we think that something that is actually kicking off a fear response in us we think that's real was my fear response real no was it normal no was it out of the ordinary absolutely so when you notice something in your periphery, you've got to give it some attention. Right. And we would be, or at least I would, we would be so quick to dismiss it because it's like, well, who cares if I ever skydive? I don't care, you know? Yes, yeah, because you don't have the awareness in your periphery and the sophistication to actually go, hang on a second, there's something in this reaction which is different, it's in my periphery to my everyday obvious reactions. Like, you know, you know, yes, no, I don't care, whatever, you have the same reaction. My hands don't sweat if I say I don't want to go to a party. My hands don't sweat if I say, actually, could my mum pick up my son from TAFE? I don't, that, I don't get, that was an unusual reaction. So I noticed that and I harnessed that because there's some self-limiting belief in that reaction. That's all quantum, that's all subconscious. That, that is where your keys lie. Well, to be totally transparent, my palms were sweaty when you were talking about skydiving. <laughs> no, no, seriously, were they? Yeah, I'm not kidding. Oh, that's awesome. Because if you would have asked me, I would have been very quick to say, nope, not doing it. You know, it's so interesting. Have you read The 100th Monkey? No. Oh, my God. That is subconscious practices on speed, on steroids. That's amazing because they studied these monkeys that were building these shelters on a very, very remote island. And they were building them a certain way. And then, you know, they were studying them going, this is great. And then all of a sudden they started studying monkeys on an island that was just literally like halfway around the world, far, far away from those monkeys. And they were doing it differently. Wow. But when, they, when the, uh, the monkeys on the first island, when about 100 of them started building it this way, that knowledge somehow transferred to the monkeys on the other island and they started building in the same way, even though there's absolutely no way any of those monkeys from the first island could have ever been on that second island. But what it was, was the collective consciousness, there was a trigger point at 100. Like when there was 100 monkeys doing it, 
the the information was shared quantum and the other monkeys subconsciously could pick it up in the field like it's the same way that orcas are the only species on the planet that have a paralimbic brain that paralimbic brain allows the orca species is a matriarchal species so the lead killer whale is the most nurturing strongest female whale every other whale in the pod can assume her identity by using this paralimbic brain how powerful is that and i believe as humans we can grow a paralimbic brain but would we want to because if you grow the paralimbic brain you want a model like gandhi or mandela or you know somebody who actually makes a big difference in the world because imagine if you model someone who didn't right Right. Well, I need a little reading material. I'm leaving for a road trip tomorrow, so I'm I'm going to pick up the 100th monkey. Yeah, and also to grab the biology and belief by Dr. Bruce Lipton and my second book, Life is a Choice and the Choice is Yours, because I've got 10 experts in their field in that book. That's wonderful. Well, listen, I I've so appreciate you being on the show today, and uh, I've got 12 questions that I ask everybody who comes on the show. These are pretty simple, rapid-fire type questions. And then when we get finished with that, I'm going to ask you to tell everybody how to find out more about you. How about that? Sounds fantastic. All right, here's question one. What's the best memory that immediately comes to mind for you? Best memory would be riding my horse on the beach because I got to ride him like it was, it was one of the loves of my life. Got to ride him like nearly every week. I grew up on a horse farm in Kentucky. nice yeah who's the number one hero in your life mandela and the dalai lama what's the top value you subscribe to honesty who's the most important person in your life my son my family my son and my mom what are are their names jayesh and solvig wonderful what's your favorite thing loving kindness and chocolate what's your favorite food Chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Don't eat before dinner. Uh, no, no, I'm having cookies before dinner, let me tell you. <laughs> Most beautiful place you've ever visited? Mm, Gimmerwald in Switzerland. If you could describe success in one word, what would the word be? Passion. Absolute passion. Looking down the road, how do you want to be remembered? For all my charity and contribution, for leaving a legacy and changing the world through contribution. This ought to be a good one. If you could go back to a younger Rhiannon and have some advice for her, what would you say? You can be, do, and have anything you want, no matter what they tell you. You can do it. What's your favorite sound? Harp and the sound of waves on the beach. And what's the best lesson you've learned? To be all that you can be, that the difficult times transform who you are to actually show you the depths of greatness in your soul. That's my greatest lesson. And that's really only limited by us, isn't it? That's exactly right. I heard your little drawl there, Kentucky Mm. man. (laughs) That's Southern United (laughs) States drawl. And that is it. Yes, sir. (laughs) Um, So tell everybody um, how they can find out more about you, where they can find your material and, and that sort of stuff. Okay, so ConsciousCoaching.coach is my website. And the other exciting news is I actually have a 10-week program kicking off next week. It's called Business FX. And even though it sounds like it's business, it's all about 
becoming your inner champion and harnessing you to a business. So that's Business FX on my website. Obviously, social media. I'm in LinkedIn. I'm in Facebook. Um, yeah, and I'm around. I'm available, and I would love to help anyone. That's great. Rhiannon Reese, everybody. She's a fantastic coach and you know as you listened today you heard some of her fabulous expertise and Rhiannon I really appreciate you doing this I know uh, you're actually in tomorrow right now right yeah yeah do you want me to tell you what the weather it looks like fine sunny maybe a shower I'm just glad to know there's going to be a tomorrow so <laughs> yeah tomorrow's coming yes definitely well thanks so much for being on and listen I'd really like to do this again sometime Absolutely. I'd totally love to do it with you again. All right. Rhiannon and Reese, everybody, I'll have more on Better Than Before right after this. If you're driven by an adventurous heart, you're in luck. The Subaru Outback is all new for 2020. With standard symmetrical all-wheel drive plus up to 33 miles per gallon. An available 260 horsepower turbocharged engine, advanced technology, and an extra large touchscreen. Welcome to the best Outback ever, the 2020 Subaru Outback. Join us for the Subaru Lot to Love event going on now. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. See dealer for details. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. I'm Tony Richards, and this segment is called Being Perfectly Imperfect. And to sort of set the stage and lay a foundation, I want to read some quotes to you. The first one is by the famous psychologist Carl Jung. Perfection belongs to the gods. The most we can hope for is excellence. Famous football coach Vince Lombardi said, Perfection is not attainable, but if we chase perfection, we can catch excellence. Looking for perfection is the only way to motivate yourself, Ronnie O'Sullivan. The pursuit of perfection often impedes improvement, George Will. When you aim for perfection, you discover it's a moving target, George Fisher. This one I really like. The closest to perfection a person ever comes is when they're filling out a job application. Stanley Randall. Always live up to your standards by lowering them if necessary. Mignon McLaughlin. And finally, I beat myself up every day without so much as a scratch. Terry Gillermitz. Now, you and I know perfection is unattainable. No matter how hard we try, nothing and no one is ever perfect. A lot of people feel frustrated and feel like failures if we fall short of perfection. We attempt to force what just simply cannot be. Perfection is a standard to go toward rather than a way to measure your self-worth. Now, the goal for you as a champion is to establish what perfection is in a certain situation and then see how closely you can mimic that result and outcome, knowing that if you shoot for the moon and miss, you will still be one of the stars. 
Champions refuse to refuse to refuse to self-destruct when perfection is not attained. They're very much aligned with the wisdom of this situation. Now, if we strive for excellence, knowing that failures, setbacks, mistakes, they're all an inevitable part of the process of your way of life. Needing to be perfect, it's going to cause you stress. It's going to cause you anxiety. It's going to cause you tension all of which are going to contribute to being far less than perfect. Sometimes people resort to drugs, alcohol, and other things to drop out of their current reality and live in a fake reality because they simply cannot live with the results that they're getting today. We need balance. The balance between the healthy pursuit of excellence, striving for certain standards with an interest in results, and the outcome. The process involves searching for internal rewards based on flexibility and realistic goals. What you want to do is you want to emphasize to yourself how you go about each day, not just the end result. Although you may feel disappointed in the results, never internalize them as a commentary on who you are as a person. I've done a lot of research on Olympic-style athletes, and it has shown that those that have balance and they pursue excellence, they have better chances of success than those who set unrealistic, unprofessional, and unachievable goals. I noticed this to be true in all aspects of corporate structure, family life, and also spiritual endeavors. Because without balance, you're denied the opportunity to risk, grow, change, and live a life of optimal potential. You're going to be totally controlled by fear if you attempt to control an uncontrollable environment. Accept life as a roller coaster. It's going to have its ups. It's going to have its downs. It's going to have its victories. It's going to have its defeats. But you are competent to deal with all of it and at all times. Set standards of perfection for yourself, but also know they're only sides, guides, rails on the bowling alley to help you realize your very best. It's living perfectly imperfect. That's our program today. Better Than Before is brought to you by University Subaru. Join us for the Lot to Love event going on now. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. You can come over and join my free Facebook group, Tony Richards Speaker, Author, Coach. You can follow me on Twitter at Tony Richards 4 and you can follow my company at ClearVision DEV. On behalf of our associate producer, Whitney Coker, in the great state of Kentucky, and chief producer, William Foster, here in the home office, I'm your host, Tony Richards, reminding you that everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leader's podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.